This week I got an email from uh, from Uversion. Who who is familiar with Uversion? It's the Bible app. It's an amazing thing. I really think it's incredible, and you know, there's millions of people around the world have access to this. And and it was like, here are five things that Jesus did after his resurrection that are relevant to us today. Oh, I'm going to read this. This seems pretty interesting. And I'm just going to go through a couple of them. Well, I'm going to go through five of them. <laughs> um, Jesus showed up. That's the first thing he did. He actually was present. He wasn't in heaven pointing out, you know, you've got to do this and you've got to do this. He was present. And I think that's something relevant for us so we can be present in people's lives. He modeled community. He made time for relationships. He loved people. He demonstrated care. He served people. And again, that's something for us to continue to do. And, and you know, you probably all think of great examples of, you know, people we know who model Jesus. And so he modeled community. And, you know, that's certainly my prayer for, for us and this church community that we would continue to do that as well. He instructed and empowered people. The very last thing he said before he ascended into heaven was, you know, he'd go and make disciples. And so even to that last moment, he was empowering people and um, instructing people. He comforted the broken. This is something that, you know, it ties in with this theme that I'm bringing for this year from Isaiah 61. Um, He wasn't upset that the disciples missed it. You know, they were, they were kind of like all shocked at the Last Supper and they mostly abandoned him. But it's not like he came back and reprimanded them. Like he, I imagine it was a gentle rebuke when he spoke to them. He, he wasn't offended. He met them in their doubts and their questions with grace and love. And the other thing that he did, he probably did a whole lot more, but these are five specific things that we can learn from. He redeemed mistakes. And... The passage I'm going to read for you today is about one of the most beautiful restoration of someone's mistake. And that is, of course, following last week's message, which came from John chapter 20. This is, which is his resurrection. This is John chapter 21. We're going to go through this now. John chapter 21. So this is sometime after the resurrection, we we suspect probably... A few days, maybe three days after he's resurrected. And so, you know, it, the scene is, is this. Jesus has died on the cross. It's been an absolute public event. And he's appeared. And he's appearing to people sporadically. And those appearances, as, as we mentioned last week, over 500 people saw him. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we will go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. 
When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So I'm going to talk about Simon Peter. Simon Peter, who jumps out of the boat, you know, like it's the Lord. And a few verses later, he's climbing back in the boat. All right. He's like, he acts without thinking. Um, it's probably been a big few days for him. Just think about the Last Supper, it's possible that this moment, it's possible this is the first time he's seen Jesus since he was resurrected. Now, at the end of the previous chapter, we've got the scene where Jesus appears to the disciples, and that this, that's, that's the scene where Thomas turns up later and says, well, unless I put my hands in his wounds. Like, we know that the disciples were all there. It doesn't, Peter's not explicitly mentioned he may have been there, he may not have been, who knows. There's certainly no conversation recorded there. So it's quite possible that this is the first time that Jesus and Peter have, have seen each other. I, w- I would say it's quite possible this is the first time they've had a conversation since the Last Supper. Now, at the Last Supper, you know, you know I'll, I'll follow you to the ends of the earth, Lord. And then Jesus is like, well, actually, before morning, you know, you will have denied me three times. And there's that also little scene in the Garden of Gethsemane where, where it's Peter who, you know, gets a bit violent with one of the guards. And so, and, and Jesus speaks to him there. But as far as a conversation, I, I don't know if that was a sit-down chat in the, in the garden. This is quite possible the first time that they are face-to-face. So I'm wondering what Simon Peter is thinking in this moment. I want you to just imagine what he's thinking. At the Last Supper, I'll follow you to the ends of the earth, Lord. Within a few hours, I don't even know you. He's probably thinking a lot. Let's have a look at that scene where he denied Jesus. This this particular passage comes from Luke 22. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. So Jesus has been taken. This is after his arrest. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You are also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, 
man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Straight at him. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. This was the last time that Peter and the Lord made eye contact. And here he's jumping out of the boat to go see him. He climbs back in. He's probably, probably a bit of a mess. And now he's on the beach with him. Jesus is offering him a cooked breakfast. I wonder if this was on his mind. I wonder if he was avoiding eye contact. Last time they'd looked at each other, it was quite a moment for Peter. And if he was avoiding eye contact, he was probably looking around him, I would imagine. He might have seen the fire. Last time we know Peter was by a fire was the very moment. So he probably looked away from that pretty fast, I would imagine. He might have looked at this miracle catch of fish. What if that brought up any memories? Peter decided to follow Jesus after a miracle catch of fish. You know, it's kind of almost like the Lord had orchestrated this moment. We'll have the fire here. You, know, you were by the fire last time. We, I looked at you. Here's the fish. Remember that thing I did with the fish, Peter? Would have been kind of awkward, I reckon, for Peter. I reckon he wouldn't have known where to look. Do you think Simon Peter was likely to bring up this whole scene? You know, about that incident, Lord, I don't, I don't think he was going to bring it up. But we know who does. We know who goes there and addresses the elephant in the room. Let's have a look at the next verse. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Now, if you've heard this passage taught on, you've probably got the, the three denials restored by the three I love yous. I'd like to give you a little bit of an insight that, I, that is in this verse that I've seen in hardly any English translations of this passage. I thought I'd show you the same verse in Greek. Can anyone read that? Not even with your glasses. No, mine, mine aren't helping either. That's good, Christian. I see how you... Yeah, well done. Anyone speak Greek? This is... This is the New Testament was written in Greek. All right, so let's... Let me make it a little bit easier for you. When they had finished eating, why don't you just look at it? What do you notice? 
You don't need to speak Greek to notice this. There's two Greek words there. Two different words. Because in English, it's one word. In English, it's love. In English, it's Simon, son of John. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. He said, you know that I love you. But you don't need to be a linguist to realize that that is two different words. Simon, son of John, do you agaba? Agabas me more than these. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I filia you. You see, in English, we have one word for the word love. And that word is love. But in Greek, there are four words. Here's a little lesson in Greek. Four words that all translate to love. So as these four words are in the Bible, 99% of English translations just have the word love. We have eros, which is a sensual or romantic love between spouses. So that Greek word for love, you want that? You can take that. We have storge, which is family love. It's the natural bond between parents and their children. Or between siblings. So Eros and Storge, they're both used in the Bible to describe those types of love. But we just read it as love. Philia is the love of a friend. That's how most Christians show love to each other. Or how most Christians should show love to each other. And we have Agape. The highest of the four types. This is perfect sacrificial, unconditional love. It's the love of God. So here we have that verse again. This is the anglicized version of the Greek text. Jesus asking Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Do you have a perfect, sacrificial and unconditional love for me more than these. My good friend Father Rob has shared on this, and I am indebted to him for his insight on this. Maybe it's his, or maybe he got it from somewhere else. I've got a quote that he said. He said, Peter would have felt horrible in this moment. He had three opportunities to show that he loved Jesus unconditionally. But three times he failed to lay down his life. This is by the fire after the Last Supper. It was only three days ago. Now Jesus is asking Simon Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me with a perfect sacrificial and unconditional love? It is now Peter's turn to respond. This is what he says. Yes, Lord, you know that I feel you. I love you as a friend. Another quote from Father Rob, he said, It was like a married couple on the morning after their wedding. The wife turns to her new husband and says, Darling, I love you. And he responds, Oh, I like you too. That's what's happening in this scene. 
And we miss that in most English translations because it's just translated as love. I had a quick search. The only ones that go close to bringing that out are the Amplified, the Passion Translation, the Phillips Bible, which I had previously not heard of, and the World English Bible. Because they all actually will, they, they word it in such a way that says, do you, do you burn with love? Oh, yes, I have an affection for you. And so they actually try to bring that out. But here's where it gets even better. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I feel you. So Jesus asked him the same question, the same words, the second time. And he responds exactly the same way, a second time. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. But here's where things get fun. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you philia me? Simon, son of John, do you love me as a friend? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you philia me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I philia you. He's probably thinking, I've just told you twice. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Josh. Jesus is clearly meeting Peter where he is at. I want you to think about that for a moment. With the imperfect love that he had to offer. Peter knew his limitations. I'm actually going to read a little bit of, of my mate Rob's book because I, I think, well, he words it better than I'm going to attempt to. So, Peter knew his limitations. He was fully aware of his failure to love Jesus as he should. Jesus asked him if he loved him unconditionally, but Peter, being honest with himself, could not claim that he did. He's basically saying, Jesus, I'm not ready to die for you, to love you perfectly, but I do love you as a friend. If you want me to love you up here, well, that's what you want. But this little love down here, this is all I have to offer. Jesus does not reject the little he had, but tells him that with that small amount, he could still take care of his sheep. This is so encouraging. Like Peter, Jesus does not wait for you to be perfect and without sin to serve him. That's not what he's waiting for. Jesus meets Peter where he's at with the imperfect love that he had to offer. Peter was truthful with Jesus about it. And Jesus was not threatened or thrown or offended by Peter's truth. He empowered him anyway. Have you ever denied Jesus? 
I don't think any one of us has had an experience quite like what Simon Peter would have had. But maybe we've denied Jesus in our words, our actions, our deeds. Maybe we've distanced ourselves from his love, from his teachings. Maybe we've denied him just through a lack of faith or a lack of belief, through a lack of prayer, through apathy towards the poor. A few years ago, I spoke at a men's conference on the topic of worship. I talked about the greatest commandment, which is loving God with all of our hearts, all of our mind, all of our strength, all of our soul. And I said, how many people know that that's not always easy? I felt like I was a bit of a radical for saying that. I was just being honest. Because we go about our day and we, we put things before God all the time. We all do it, I'm sure. I was met with a couple of blank looks when I said it. I was just being honest. But the good news is, the resurrected Jesus comes and invites you and me into his agape love. He's not offended. He's not thrown by your brokenness. He's not threatened. However broken we are, whatever little we have to offer, God invites you into his agape love and he will even meet you at your level. So although Peter stumbled big time, it's a major stumble. I can imagine he's in heaven now going, why does that have to be in the Bible? Not for us, probably. He denied Jesus. He deserted him at the cross. And then, to his face, he confessed that he didn't love Jesus the way Jesus loved him. But get this, not once in any of that did it alter or cancel his identity in Christ. That remained the same. And it remains the same for you. When you feel you're not measuring up, your identity does not change. And Jesus will still meet you exactly where he wants to. History tells us what happened to Peter. He was killed for his faith in Jesus. And according to history, he was crucified upside down. He felt he wasn't worthy to be crucified in the same manner as the Lord, 
And so he asked, well, if you're going to do this to me, you're going to do it upside down. Jesus alludes to this in the following verses. After he's just said, do you filial me? He said, you know how I filial you. He said, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. When you are old, you'll stretch out your hands. Someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. This is Jesus, probably not prophesying it as in, well, I hope this happens to you. I I doubt that. But he was just saying, well, this is how it's going to end. God knows the beginning from the end. So what we know with Simon Peter is that he literally gave his life for Jesus. To me, that sounds like agape love. sacrificial love I'll quote from my mate Rob's book one more time what kind of love was this it was agape didn't start that way for Peter Peter spent his life following the risen Christ and as he walked with him Jesus perfected the imperfect offering that he made that morning by the water. Friends, do not feel that your imperfect offering is not enough. Jesus will meet you. Unafraid to meet you there. In this very same way, we can trust that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And I hope that, obviously, everyone listening to this message, including those online, our story doesn't end like it did for Peter. But we do know that as he continues to fill us, as we continue to follow him, He is continuously making us perfect, meeting us where we're at, meeting us with our imperfect offering. He will continue to invite you into that agape love. Could you stand, please? God's doing a work right now. I believe he's touching hearts this moment. I believe there's people in this room who feel that they've only had an imperfect offering to give to the Lord and that it's not been acceptable. 
want to encourage you this morning. Jesus is not afraid of that. He's not repelled by that. He's not offended. He's not disgusted. Despite Peter telling the Lord to his face, I don't love you the same way you love me, Jesus still said, feed my sheep. He still gave him instruction. He still reiterated his purpose. Peter's identity never shifted. Your identity has never shifted. If you feel you want to respond to that, I'm just going to invite you to come up the front. If you come forward up the front, just to say, God, I'm here, I'm yours. It's not for a specific prayer necessarily, but just to meet with him this morning. If there's anyone feeling that, there's space up the front, over here, up here. But I believe God wants to do some restoration in people today. Where you feel that you've failed God, God wants to meet you in that spot. Peter, my prayer for you is he'll take you back to that moment where you first said you would follow him. He'll remind you of his perfect love for you. If you see someone up the front, you want to just maybe lay your hands on them and just pray for them. I just feel this a moment where God wants to do some work in people. He's calling you into that agape love. It's not you today, but you see someone up the front. Just come and lay hands on them. Jesus, I just thank you for your incredible, sacrificial, agape love. Thank you that that unconditional love you have for us despite our imperfect offering. 
for those times we failed, you kept on loving us. You weren't turned off by our lack of love, by our own denials of you. God, we receive a fresh outpouring of your perfect love. Everyone in the room, just receive. Just receive his love right now. Breathe it in. we just thank you we thank you that you are doing a great work here in a moment I'm going to close the service there'll be tea and coffee available if you want to stay here and do business with God and just receive I warmly invite you to, to stay don't know Jesus, if you found yourself in here this morning or watching online and you don't know Jesus, I just want you to know he loves you so much. He always has and he'll never stop. I'd love the opportunity to, to pray with you if that is you today. So please come up to me if that's the case. I'll lead you in a short prayer to receive Jesus into your heart.
other than that, you'll, as I said, you're welcome to stay. And we'll have tea and coffee available in the foyer. Be blessed. Have a great week.